Welcome to the Wainers Shuffle, the ICTFC fan podcast, the podcast with more good vibrations than the Beach Boys, more shiny happy people than REM and more points than anyone else in the league. On this pod, ear fall to earth, Killy get one in the pie, Bucky buckled, Partick pumped, Pars Richard, Queens toppled, League look ahead, Danny Devine, Ross Hughes, Morton's fan podcast chief, plus top of the pops, all that and the usual 27 years worth of ICT references packed into an hour of wild conjecture and mild distraction. Let's shuffle. No, let's let's do something else. Let's pump it up. Inverness is a fucking business. What did Tarzan see when he found a screwdriver? Welcome one and all, joining me today for this veritable feast of optimistic opinions, life-affirming reflection and thematic musical puns throughout are Mr. Blue Sky, Andrew Young. Hello. Hello. Walking on sunshine, Stevie Riley, how you doing? Uh, hello. And Crazy Frog, Ross McKenzie. Oh, moff. We've got a new feature coming up later where we discuss like all things music and, and Cali Thistle related, hence the links and puns and stuff. But for now, we'll kick off a Highland highlight, Broadfoot's raking in celebration, Gardine's early volley at Kelly, Doran's screamer, Danny Devine's coolness personified, the work rate of Manny Duku, or could it have been the Party Thistle fans podcast predicting that our earth would collapse if they scored first? What was your top highlight of so many highlights this past month, gentlemen? Yeah, for me it's it's pretty poignant considering he scored the winner today. But for me it's Gardine. I think he's um he's starting to fulfil that promise that we first thought we would get when we when we first signed him. I think from the Kamarnock game onwards, I know he missed a couple of games through injury, but the energy he gives up and down the the left or the right hand side is it's is great to watch. He's from all accounts, he's even better off the training on the training pitch off the field. He's he's a character around the, the dressing room and uh yeah, I think he'll be the star man this season, and it's been my my highlight so far this month. Yeah, in the last podcast, I said that all I wanted for my first live league game was to see a goal that really meant something. So obviously, I've got to say Garden's goal against Kelly. Me also the Kelly game, but just actually walking into Rugby Park, and I was probably about 10, 15 minutes early. I was with the family, hadn't been in the pub, um, and there was lots of people singing. And they didn't stop. The early goal obviously helped, but an excellent away support, and about as normal... Um, as I felt at a football game um, since since the pandemic, I was actually pissed off when they did a minute's applause because I'd forgotten all about COVID for those ten minutes before the game. I was like, oh, this is this is normal. This is what an away day at a football game should be. Um, so yeah, loved that. I think if you want to sum up the whole month, then um, 
what I think one thing sums it up, and it was Broadfoot's reaction to scoring against Partick, the equaliser. Like ev- everything is in there. It's um, he's got his med- immediate sort of nonchalance, like like he does that every day. He's got finger pointing, he's got fist pumping to the fans. Uh, there's brilliant photographs online. Like every single goal should be celebrated like that, much like the, the goals were celebrated today. But um, because it came from a guy so unexpected, I just thought it was brilliant, and I, and I think he's been. He's been a revelation, to be honest. I think he's been an absolute revelation. So, yeah, goal celebrations. Or, you know, you could learn to swing on the bar like Stevie Hislop. Played seven, won six, scored nine, conceded just two, and still occupying the summit of the Cinch Championship. Some phenomenal performances, both as a team and individuals, throughout this clutch of games. Dees, Divine, Broadfoot, Carson, Allardyce playing every minute of every game. Doran, Roddy, Dooku, Shane, Garden, all with great games. And moments of their own, uh, not not to mention the wall, Mister Ridgers. But we're we're recording um, we're recording this in the evening of the Queen's game, so we'll have to kick off with that. And I'm going to say that today, you know, I'm still absolutely buzzing. It's about what what time is it now? About eight o'clock, and I'm absolutely buzzing and hardly anything to drink. Um, I'd say that was a season-defining win. That's like that's Cali Thistle this season, seven games in, and we will find a way to get a result. I thought that I thought the game was gone. I thought the win was gone. When they equalise, but is this team, guys? Is this is this a different animal this season to the squads that we've seen in the championship, the Cali Thistle squads we've seen in this league? Well, I don't think we'd have well past two or three seasons. We wouldn't have. Um, I don't think we'd have came back and gotten that three points. I think is that is a hunger in the team there. I mean, looking at today, the second half, we never got going, and I was worried. I was a bit more pessimistic than you, more fast. I'd have taken the point considering how well Queens came out in the second half. I think they were by far the better team but yeah there's, there's something in that dressing room and it's I think it stems from the signings this summer and also it's got to come from Dodds as well obviously but I think there's there's, there's something there and from speaking to people at the club I think comes to the top they know this is the season we've got to go for it and I think there's a confidence there that we can do it I think past seasons we've thought we'll maybe get to the playoffs we'll maybe get there but I think through the whole club they know that this is a chance that we can win the league not just second not just playoffs we can win the league so it's good to see yeah, I mean, I agree with all that, but one sort of wee caveat or, or, or slight reservation is that we really should have been further ahead in the first half, you know, by the end of the first half. We dominated possession completely. I thought Queens looked really unambitious in the first half, and we couldn't convert chances from open play, really. Um, Duke is an interesting player. He's a bit of a conundrum, I think. I mean, we were led to believe that he wasn't a hard worker, that he wouldn't move for the ball, and that's the opposite. I think he's worked incredibly hard. He's been an intelligent player. He's dropped deep. He's run the channels we just needed to. Um, he's linked play well. Uh, the one thing he hasn't really shown him to be yet is a finisher. You know, he had two or three headers today and there's been a couple of times when he's been through and goal or he's been able to get a shot away and there's not been that much power in them. So that's something I'd like to see him develop because I think against a stronger team than Queen's, then we're not going to get away with not being able to convert that many chances. But that's a minor point. I mean, I agree absolutely about the, about the, the, the fight back today and the fact that in previous seasons, we probably the heads would have gone down. The most encouraging thing today was that once again we've showed that we've got uh, higher gears to to move into when we need to. So, you know, Queens had looked threatening around the, around the period of their goal. Um, certainly, just after it, I thought, "Oh Christ, they're going to score again." Um, but we did kind of we 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 moved it up a notch, got the goal, and then sought out really well. So, I mean, what I'm reaching for here, I think, is that we we still, despite having won six out of seven, 
we still haven't quite reached the level that I think we can reach, and especially up top. Um, I think Duka will go on a scoring run at some point. Tom Walsh will become more effective at some point. Um, so, and we, we, Billy Mackay hasn't got going yet. So we've, we, there's a lot more to see in forward areas. That, that, that's what gives me most hope. Who were the standouts today? Then? Was it Gardine, Welsh? I think Gardine, absolutely. <laughs> the last three times I've seen Gardine, I think he's just been phenomenal. Um, just the intelligence, the, the management of the game, the choices he makes always seem to be the right choices. But he also, you see him, he was sprinting last minute. He was sprinting yeah. to press a boy in the left back position in the last minute 40-yard sprint. And, he, and the, the pace he goes with the ball at his feet as well sometimes um, and checks inside, plays the right pass. Just absolutely fantastic. Um, by, by some distance, he was our best player today. I think if you're Robbie Dees, I mean, he's a massive help in front, because also Dees is, it's not left-back, he's still getting used to position, but you've seen today, he's, he's back covering Dees, and that support for left-back is great, but just a shout-out for Carson, I think, today, I think he did a great game, I think. That was his best game of the season, I think, wasn't it? I think, I think Walsh didn't have the greatest of games, I think Carson made a lot of good runs today that maybe Walsh didn't pick out, but... Yeah, tenacity all over the pitch again. So I think that, that tackle at the end, right at the end of the game, where we're like, you know, let's hold on for this win, yeah. and then he like, throws himself in front of the guy to get a free kick. That was absolutely brilliant. Like, Aye. he's he's now he's now a right back that can play centre mid rather than a, a centre mid that can play right back. Duku's been brought down for the free kick, so it's arguably his assist. But is is that is it luck by Welsh or is he? Uh, Jakey's been practicing all that week. Did he give the? To give the goalie goalie the eyes, or was it? A, well, that's about the third time that Sean Welsh has scored a free kick. Like he has that. scored free and, kicks, hasn't he? Yeah. But always like really well placed ones, really softly hit, well placed ones. So I thought he knew exactly what he was doing as soon as he as he picked the ball up. Yeah, I I thought at first it was there. I thought the goalkeeper was suspect when you see it back. The walls is shit position in the wall. I mean, they're about three foot to the keeper's right and should be further over. But yeah, Welsh has done amazingly to get around the wall and in that bottom corner. So yeah, kudos to him. Well, their goal, like Ridgers will be unhappy not getting on a clean sheet. Danny Devine's on the pod later on. He talks about how important clean sheets are to him. Um, but there's, there's absolutely nothing you could do with that. Is it? It's the wee boy Connolly um, who played for played for Aloha last season, didn't he, AY? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a tremendous finish. I'd, I'd need to see it again. It felt like we maybe could have been out quicker to close him down. Um, I don't know if that's fair or not. On full backs, but I did feel that you know he he seemed to have a bit of time to to, to pick a spot. But I think he's just he, I think he's been headed out. I think with Broadfoot and Gardine's on him, but he's literally he's just he's he's moved it straight away with his out mm-hmm. uh, outside of his foot and he just hit it. You you couldn't get closer to that if you tried. It's just a brilliant hit. But um, yeah, I did think as I said earlier that that you know that might be us sort of finally getting done for not taking our chances. But uh, the winner. Talk us through the winner, someone. Just a long diagonal from Robbie Dees. Gardine takes it down his chest and belts it home. First touch. First I thought there might have been a wee flick on from Jameson, but there isn't. So Dees would get the assist for that. I BBC gave the assist to uh, somebody else, but yeah, I just thought it was just the... Jameson dummy did though, wasn't it? It was intentional though, so you could say... Uh, Give him a half assist for that. You, you don't get an assist for that though, do you? It's Dees' cross, so Dees, Dees right. would get the assist. But... The, that aside, you're talking about Gardine earlier on. So it's the last ten minutes of the game. He's what thirty six, and he's he's made he's obviously made a sprint. He's made a movement from right to middle to get over there to get into the box to have the wherewithal to do that when the left back's got the ball. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's fantastic movement. Like I think we've been missing that for a long time is getting 
even maybe back to Christie, he's having a player that runs beyond the striker. Yeah, hundred percent. Season-defining victory. Right, well, we'll go back a few weeks and we'll just uh, we'll go through a few of these games. So we haven't had a podcast in a wee while. Um, let's go back to go back to the Saturday the twenty first. An air at home, a one 0 win, rubbish air cut down by fabulous air cut, uh, a fortuitous goal from Tom Walsh after a cross from Manny Duku. Um, to the ill-informed Park fans, it might look like we've shit housed another one 0 win, but I think in this game we had double the shots on goal, we had more possession, we had more corners. Half time we were still. No, no. Once again, was was there any point of this game? I know it was a wee while ago, at which you might have been worried about this one, and it was a fortuitous goal, as I say, we scored, but we were on top of this one, Stevie, weren't we? Ah, uh, yes, no. I mean, uh, a lot of similarities to the race overs game to me. I thought it was quite scrappy. I mean, I'm maybe a bit more pessimistic with this one, but I didn't see scoring this game, and obviously the goal was very fortuitous. But yeah, better team didn't deserve to get beat, and I mean, you take those goals every every day, don't you, off of uh, Tom Moore's chest, but. Yeah, very scrappy, and Billy Dodds sort of said that he'd, he'd taken on their 30-odd scrappy 1-0 wins, and at that point I thought, this, is, this isn't this is going our way, but yeah, take the victory and move on, but for me it wasn't a classic, and I can't remember too many standout moments apart from the goal, I'm afraid. I mean, Air got what they deserved, because Air were kind of like Queens in the first half today, except for about 70-odd minutes, you know. Um, it was similar to today. Um, I thought we didn't play quite as well. Um, but Duku missed chances, Dees missed chances, Walsh missed chances. But Air were kind of like 10 behind the ball at times. You know, it was really, really negative. Or nine behind the ball, maybe, and Adeloy up front and they were knocking along to him. They had a wee couple of flurries after we went ahead, but that was it, really. So they got what they deserved for, for a completely lacking ambition. Right, well, we'll move on to Saturday the 29th. It was Killy away. Killy say hi to Killy Pie and bye to their title hopes. An early goal from Michael Gardine after a wee layoff from Shane. You know, I thought they were meant to be winning the league, but, you know, look, look what's happening. Was this more about a defensive performance in this game, though, rather than the attacking display that we know that the boys can produce? In the first half, maybe you could say that about it. Um, we, you know, we were, we, we were really stuck in hard in the first half. We were tag-teaming on... Uh, Burke um, and kind of taking a couple of boys took a yellow card um, we were quite deep at times but we were resilient and they didn't create that much um, but I thought at half time I thought we're not going to be able to see this through to the end I, I wasn't confident we were going to win the game um, and I, I, I didn't speak to you Moff at half time I think you were uh, you were off kind of taking selfies with your the adoring masses <laughs> um, but I spoke I had a chat with Kevin McInnes and I said to him, we really need Welsh on to look after the ball better in the second half. And he said, I, uh, that's what Moff was saying. You probably don't remember saying it like, but um, she was in such a state. But uh, he, he said, that's exactly what Moff said. We need to get Welsh on and move McGregor up into the 10. And uh, that's what Julie, uh, Billy Dodds went and did, didn't he? He took Duku off um, and brought Welsh on after an hour. And we were fantastic. We'd actually already looked after the ball better prior to the subs. Um, we started to we calmed that we calmed the game down. Started keeping the ball. There was no need for us to chase a goal, but we just needed to look after the ball better. Um, and then after the initial sub, he's then brought Doran on for Walsh, 
which has just made it even better, even smoother in terms of our control of the game, our control of the ball, just slow it down. Um, Roddy starts doing some tricks. We didn't actually create much. Shane has a chance that he uh, tries to score some kind of outrageous chip with. Um, and and that was that. But we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, in the Pirate game. But what we saw there was Billy Dodds, as far as I could see, changing the rhythm, the course of the game, not just with his substitutions, but also with whatever he said to them at half time. He's changed the way we've played and we've come out and played better. And it's uh, it's a fantastic result. Yeah. You mentioned Roddy kind of doing some tricks and actually that almost, I think, undersells how good he was. I thought it was, you know, one of the best games I've seen him have for us and partly because we saw a new side to his game. You know, he was the one who was showing for it all the time, who was kind of like making angles, was willing to take the ball on and slow it down. And sometimes those little, you know, those little, little turns he was making and the way he was shielding the ball and all that, that was deliberately just to slow it down and, and, and frustrate them. I thought he did it incredibly well. Um, so just, you know, just that. But yeah, everything else I agree with. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to Saturday the 4th, the Challenge Cup. It's not called that anymore. What's it called? Oh, it's the SPFL Trust Trophy, isn't it? Right, okay. Uh, well, again, game against Bucky. Uh, Bucky win, just the tonic, fortified, not by Monks, but by Billy Mackay. But he's back. Goals from Billy Mackay, Lewis Jameson, Cameron Harper. Dodgy made 10 changes to the starting 11. Doran was very sharp. As I said, Billy got a couple of goals. A great, great cameos, movement from Donald and Jameson. Was this the albeit it's not an important game in, in the grand context of our season, but was this the marker that tells the fans and anyone else who's actually bothered to look, this is the best squad we've had in five or six years? Our bench is as strong as it's ever been. I mean, that game, he cameos for um, Anthony McDonald, who I'd forgotten about, got 65 minutes that game, looked pretty sharp, and yeah, I don't know why he's not made the bench since, but obviously it's due to the, the strength of the squad. But yeah, I think these games are invaluable for God's because you've got to keep players like Billy Mackay, Lewis Jameson that are not getting much game time. You've got to keep them happy. And uh, yeah, it looked, worked out well. Even Cammy Harper getting a goal as well in the start, which was well because if any, if any injuries pop up, these boys are, are getting some minutes and scoring goals. We need to say about the squad depth here. Um, I agree for the most part, but if one of the back four gets injured, we've got a problem. Um, you see the three defenders who come in here are, are Harper, Hyde, who's off on loan, um, and Duffy, who's not making squads. So bring and so Dees was the one the one player that started from the from our first eleven. Just one injury to the back four causes us, I think, quite a significant problem. Imagine we had two. So that that's my that's my big worry. Um, that that's that's the, the thing that could derail a title challenge. Yeah, good shout, good shout. Hyde yeah. going alone is a very strange decision. I think it is because he's 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 looked good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, can we can we call him? You know. At short notice, do you know? Does anyone know that? Yeah, we can. I'm pretty sure we can. I yeah. think it's a short. I think it's maybe a month loan. Anyway, I'm not sure if you right. okay. for January, but um, yeah, they've got Duffy there who can play full back and centre half. But as Ross said, there's you lose two defenders, then you have a grub, don't we? All right. Well, let's move on to Saturday the 11th. Partick, um, Partick at home, three-one win in the Battle of the Thistles. Partick prove they are only little pricks. <laughs> uh, right, first half um, well, A part of the goal by Tiffany Cancelled out by Captain Kirk's Enterprising running shot See what I did there uh, Then Shane's composed effort To put us ahead Before Aaron Doran Rolls back the years And calmly rolls The ball into the top corner With a mere flick of his foot um, You know, I like 
I like Park Thistle fans because they introduced me on their podcast with some with some jazzy soul music when I was on it there a week, but no idea why. Um, but I was I was very disappointed when none of them came back to the Cali Club after the game. No idea why. Um, there's so much to go over here, guys. It was um, it was such an enjoyable game. Uh, pick something out. I just I guess we need to talk about the first half because we were all struggling a bit with what was happening in the first half. That's, um, that's what I mean. You know, the second half was so enjoyable because of the context of the first. Aye. Well, aye. And I didn't think we were as bad as some people were saying. We, we've created some chances ourselves, but it's certainly the first time that we've been properly rocked at the back and gaps start to appear all over the place. And Tiffany in particular was causing us huge problems. Um, and, you know, well, Kill- Killy had us pinned back for a spell, but they, they, they didn't create clear-cut chances, whereas um, Thistle clearly did. Um, and for the goal, just again, that kind of caveat to what you were saying about Carson and Walsh yes, uh, yesterday, that most of the, sorry, about Carson and Walsh uh, in the Queen of the South game, that's where the space was opening up. It was down our right flank. And the goal comes because Carson comes across into midfield with the ball, as he often does to good effect. But he actually loses it there. And there's acres of space behind him. Walsh hasn't trapped back. And um, I think Kirk's at fault to some point, at some, to some extent, for the goal as well um but i'm gonna in terms of what in terms of what happened in the second half i'm gonna believe billy dodd's account of it uh, rather than what roscoe was suggesting was that that dodd's at half time had gone through them and emphasized the importance of winning the battles uh billy dodd's came out afterwards and said he calmed them down right. and he reassured them about how how you know about their footballing abilities about how good they were right. on the ball and uh, you, you know, you got to assume he laid out a plan for how we were going to play around their midfield in the second half. Because by Christ, we went out and did that, didn't we? Yeah, that's 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 what I heard as well. He went in and he's like reiterated, "Look, you're bloody good football players." Let's see. But the thing, I, I was I was sitting behind the dugout, and it was interesting to see him in the first half. He was so animated, and he just looked so pissed off. So for him to go in at half time and like not explode, you know, it must have taken a lot of. You know, you know, a lot of character to be able to, to sort of direct his anger and his energy in a way that he thought he would get the best out of the team. So, again, if, you know, if that's true, it just shows another string to his bow, Stevie. You think, doesn't it? I, I think not just Dawes. I think I've heard this from a lot of managers. I think modern managers now they don't really go through players like they did back in the day. I think maybe modern players they, are a bit more sensitive. But they must, they must still do sometimes. So, you know, if you come off the, the run like we've had and then you go and one 0 down to the park, you, you would be fucking, you'd be you pissed off, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, but we all, we all thought at halftime. Yeah, that, when you're thinking boots are getting thrown, cups of tea as they still have tea in the dressing rooms are getting thrown, Gatorades are getting thrown off the wall. But <laughs> I think nowadays it's more, yeah, be more positive. But I think, I think even Dodds gets a lot of credit. I think the players must have a word themselves. You know, you look, you like a broad foot and stuff like that. So you look. And you see the reaction to his goal, and I'm sure Kirk had a few things to say in the dressing room that maybe maybe does let, let the players self manage it. You know, you, you know, you, you know, you've been shit in the first half, come out and do better. And I mean, yeah. this was a game that I was more worried about this game than the Kilmarnock game. I think this will are a better team than Kilmarnock. I think they get a better squad. And uh, yeah, we blew them away. And uh, yeah, much as said, it was a season defining victory today. I think we'll look back in that game and. Those they're, forty-five minutes is the best we've played all season. They're definitely more dangerous going forward than Kilmarnock are, but. In the second half, Dodds has definitely changed something in terms of you need to be playing the ball higher up the park. The defence were higher and everything was squeezed so the play was actually in their half and that's how we created chances, like just pegging back and playing their half. Um, so he's definitely told them, you know, in terms of tactics, you're going to have to move up the park as well. 
Yeah, I mean, their their defence looks kind of rabbit in headlights. But I agree with Stevie. I think going forward, or I agree with you rather, more freely, going forward, they're more, the, their forward players are the type that will cause us more problems than Kilmarnock's. Kilmar, mm-hmm. You know, Chris Burke was managed really well in the Kelly game. He's the one player that's the type that will really cause us problems. But in this game, and in the Dunfermline game, we saw that players that will run directly at our defenders are going to cause problems. So if we are sitting too deep, then that's going to be a real issue. And we, we got away with that a wee bit in the Dunfermline game. Um, and so you're absolutely right to kind of like squeeze play up was, was a really good tactical change. Can I just say one thing for Mark Ridgers in this game? Because I think, you know, we saw two excellent saves in the Kamarnik game, two again the week after this against Dunfermline. And in this game, just towards half time, he scored an absolutely outstanding save from Brian Graham. And I think if, if he doesn't tip that round, Oh, yeah. And that goes in. I think the second half is different. I'm not sure that we get to pull this game back. You know, yeah. I think he's basically he's not just kind of a club player of the year form at the moment. He's kind of league player of the year form at the moment. Potentially, he's been absolutely brilliant. Well, let's let's segue that into the Pars game because this is this this was his game. Another game, still top of the league at this point. Another clean sheet. But credit going to Gandalf in goals. Thou shalt not pass. It's quite a good impression of. Uh... It's not quite good. Ian McKellen, wasn't it? I've never seen Lord of the Rings. Um, but I did see um, the highlights of this game have, after having been at it, and the saves weren't nearly as good as I thought they were at the game. Um, they, were, they, were, they were saves you'd be annoyed at him not to make. I agree that he's player of the year overall. Um, absolutely solid. Um, but in this game, it was the injuries that killed us, wasn't it? it was Sutherland going off for Mackay in particular. But a good ten minutes before half time, that just we didn't recover from that. We didn't um we didn't find a rhythm that we were and we were we were building a rhythm to that point. I thought we were popping it about quite nicely without creating great chances. Roddy was playing well again. And then Doran for Harper, that just finished the job, didn't it? And you know Harper, if we had this maybe covering wide areas, would maybe benefit from a period on loan as well. I, I'm not gonna I'm not going to go after the young boy, but he was fucking awful. Have you read the books, Ross? Um, no, I read The Hobbit. Right. Were you impressed? Aaron, Aaron Doran's in that, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's all the games dealt with. Uh, one thing we have mentioned, and we haven't actually sort of analysed them, um, when we thought we were going to sign him in the summer, some of us thought it was a bit of a joke signing. Um, but he has proved to be, probably, the most reliable player in the league, Kirk Broadfoot. How impressive has he been? Well, one thing that I noticed today, or not noticed, but you know, it kind of occurred to me again today when I was doing tweeting was just how how much he offers going forward as well as defensively. You know, he's very, very calm in the ball. He's got a really good kind of range of passing. You know, there's a really lovely little chip forward to Walsh that um, the Queen's player just nicked off Walsh before it came through. And we've seen him do that a few times as well as his goal against Partick. So it's kind of a combination of um, just being a natural footballer, not not just a kind of lump of a defender, not just a hard man, and his experience is really important. You know, he maybe doesn't quite have the pace he once had, but I think in every other respect, everything else is still there. You know, so it's, it's been a superb signing. I think he's playing without pressure, boys. I think the last couple of seasons he's he's been struggling teams. Obviously, lo- local 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 boy from Kilmarnock. He played at St Mirren, struggled there as well. I think this season, playing in a winning team, he's got no pressure. He can go and play his game, and I think. That shows the way he said. He seems to have a free rein to, if you want to get a run for that, then go for it. But yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a mentality. I think he's enjoying his football. Apparently, he's first in, last out of the gym. He's coaching under 18s as well. And uh, 
he just seems to be in a happy place and it seems to show in his, his football. And he's, he seems to be a leader at the back as well. He's, he's leading the team, he's organising, he's helping all their defenders. Do you think so, Ross? Definitely. And I think we'll hear, we'll hear from Danny Devine later on. It's really clear that they're working together as a team and Kirk's your, your senior defender in that, in that partnership. Okay, well, on the preview pod, we asked, what is Dodd's ball? It turns out it's just we do not concede goals. Um, had a week through, week through the, the history books, uh, most 1-0 wins in world football. I think it's 10 or 11, so I think we're about 6 or 7 to go. So if I was to say to you, like, who, well, who is that team, basically? If I was to say to you, Carucci, Brodesi, Danny, Divina Curta, and Dizini, <laughs> what would that say to you? That, the, the, uh, you know... Billy Dodds is the is the 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 Kumnik Saki, isn't he? So, uh, Inverness Catanacho Thistle, we're called now. Aye, I think it was Fabio Capello was the manager there, but it still works. Fuck. Hey, mambo, mambo italiano. Hey, mambo. Great song. Okay, you've heard what we've had to say about the game so far, so let's get a few words from a player who has undergone a transformation over the past few months at the end of last season at the start of this. From a guy who was once thought of as a squad player, much maligned for his time at at Partick and Dunfermline, from a certain perspective, to arguably the most consistent player in the Cali Thistle team this season. Mr. Dependable, Mr. Last-Ditch Saving Tackle, Mr. Danny Devine. You're seven Broadfoot, you're like um, the Italian backline, you're like Kalini, mate. How's, um, how's, it, how's it to rock up my Saturday and know that you're going to keep another clean sheet at the moment? <laughs> no, it's good. Um, you know, obviously things have... Things have started well for us, um, you know. Bar the bar the league cup, um, you know. Obviously, it's for us. It's all about the league this year. Um, you know, a cup run would be nice, but you know, we've we've started the league well. Um, plenty of clean sheets. I think it's the five, four, five. Is it? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, quite happy as a defender. I, I'm always preaching to the boys about clean sheets, like so. Um, not good, good so far. Right. Well, we'll get back to the season later on, but. Just before we start, I want to talk about, obviously, you had a successful first spell at the club and stuff, winning the Scottish Cup, but we've talked about the Scottish Cup to death, and uh, as much as really to relive it, it's, it's been talked too much. So, just want to chat about your time away. So, obviously, you left us to go down to Party Thistle for a couple of seasons. How was how was your time down, down in Glasgow? Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, obviously, moving down to Glasgow, you know, I was looking forward to it. Um, I, was, I was quite sad to leave, to be fair. You know, if I'm being honest, it was... Uh, it was a very tough decision, um, and I remember on the last day driving down the road, thinking to myself, "I wonder, you know, if, if I've made the right decision." Because to be fair to the club, they offered me they offered me a deal, they offered me a good deal. Um, you know, but twenty three at the time, I think it was. I just felt like you know I, I needed to go and experience you know something different. And then after two years there, as you said, you get ups and downs. Top six first season, then relegation. You're off to five to the Felman House. How did that move come about and um, how did you see your time over at East End Park? You know, great club, big club. Um, so I, I, was, I was excited about the opportunity going there and um, speaking to the people involved there and the manager, the chairman and stuff. And, you know, they, they, they seemed to have big plans. So I was, I was, it was one, it was a challenge, you know, I was, I was looking forward to. 
Both those teams, Danny, they're a bit similarity because they're big fan bases, you know. I mean, bigger fan base than Aberness and probably a lot more pressure, especially for like a team like Dunfermline that have been down there for so long. You know, it's, once you get to the Premier League, you're out for a while and it's, it's hard to get back up. Was, was that a good thing with a player to experience that pressure? I mean, if you're probably having probably more pressure there than you would in Vanessa, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of them ones. Like, it's it's everywhere you go, you know, the fans demand that you win every single game. And I think for me, that's a good thing because it keeps the players on their toes. You know, it, it makes sure that we're, our standards aren't slipping. Because mm-hmm. if, if it's the case, then, you know, the fans are a bit led back and, you know, it, you know they're, they're not moaning as much. It kind of... You can almost kind of, you know, you can relax a bit and almost think, well, you know, they're, they're not putting the pressure on us to do well. Or how was it coming up against Inverness in your, your two seasons with the Felman? But weird, uh, a good a good battle against some of your some of your old teammates. Yeah, it was funny actually. Um, when I first moved away, when I first went to Partick, uh, the fixtures came out and we were we were first game um, at home to Inverness. Right. The manager came to me, says, "You see the fixtures," and I was laughing and I was like, "Aye," but no, I was I was looking forward to it. Um, because obviously a lot of the boys that, that I played with were still there um, you know and of course I've just left so obviously I'm, I'm desperate to win and you know trying to kind of prove that I've made the right decision and you know all that kind of stuff that's going through your head at the time but um, no I, I was I, I always look forward to it um, you know and, and like I say even when I was at Dunfermline there was there were still boys here in Inverness that I knew and, and, and I played with also, it's, you know, it's good to get one over them as well. Um, you know, we've a bragging rights after the game and that. But no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I look forward to it. How is that for you coming back? Is I mean, you weren't young when you, you left, but you'd obviously older guys like Gaz and stuff there and Ravs, older guys in the defence. Is it, is it a, a shift in mentality for you coming back, being one of the more experienced guys with like Sadizi coming in last season? Yeah, it, it was strange. Um, you know, it's just little things you pick up on um, and training and stuff. Like we would play games on a Friday and that. That's young v old, and you know, I was always in the, I was always obviously in the young team back then. But you know, I'm finding myself in the old team now. Obviously, at this stage now every week. But even last year, it was just a wee bit strange. Um, but you know, you touched on it. We did. We had we had a lot of young young boys coming through last season um, who I, I thought handled themselves really well. Um, I think it was one game to start a season where we had quite a few injuries and I think it was me, Brad McCann, and Ridgers were the only boys over the age of 24. You know, three three players. So, I mean, I, th- I think, it, you know, last season, it's, I think that was a, that's what it was about for us. I think a lot of young boys really matured last season. Um, you know, I, I see my role as, like you say, one of the older the older players and I trying to help them through it and, and help them develop. And I think, I think you're actually seeing the benefits of that um, this season with Alexa Roddy and DZ and you know Cammy Harper and stuff. Obviously Dan McKay getting his move. Um, you know I think I've done them no harm at all getting so much game time last season. Talk to me about last season, Danny, in terms of the off the field stuff as well. Because I know it's crazy time last year. I mean, you can only be down to Dumfries on a Friday night to no shower and having to get back up the road and that whole mentality of it testing so much and not being used to it. How how is it for a player? Because and we know Robbo struggles and we had Robbo on the podcast as a manager, but as a player, how how was last season to deal with? Because you've never had to prepare for it like that before, have you? No, it was it was strange. Like um, it definitely was strange. Even um, you know coming into training, it was like in your own car, drive up to the Fort George, um, you know, pissing rain, soaking, getting back in your car, having to drive home, you know, not being allowed near the stadium at all for showers or anything like that. You know, it was it was definitely a bit of a shock to a few boys. Um, 
you know, you said about the showers, going to Dumfries, going to Morton, you know, on the grass pitch when it's when it's soaking wet and you can't get a shower afterwards. Um, it's not, it's not great, but I mean, it's it's one of those ones. Where, like you just have to just have to put it out of your head and just try and concentrate in the game. And I, I think the boys done that. Like um, there was a few moans and, and groans about no showers and that, which you'd expect. Um, but I mean, I, th- I think we just had to get on with it. Um, you know, I, I don't know about the other lads, but. But me, you know, it didn't affect me too much. Um, you just kind of try and block it out and just carry on with the game and that. But I think it's, you know, it didn't help with the, you know, the togetherness of the team. You know, we, we were very together last year, but I think being in the change room and being around, you know, boys before training, after training, having breakfast, lunch together, it definitely does, you know, bring you closer as, as a team. And I think that only helps um, on the pitch as well. Do you know, my first spell here, that was one of the, the things that I thought we'd done so well, the reasons why we'd done so well was because it was a real good group we had. Um, you know, it, it had it kind of had to be because, like I say, boys were so far away from home. It's, mm. you know, they were staying up on the weekends. They weren't going home every weekend. Um, and I think that was a, a big part of our success. So um, I, I think we've got this this time around as well. So hopefully it, hopefully it stands us in good stead going forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, on the pitch, there's a few things changing. It was a bit of a, a stop-start season last season, wasn't it? It was. Again, that was <laughs> that made it a little bit more, you know, um, you know, a bit of unknown for the boys. You know, halfway through the season, kind of, you know, with with Robbo going and obviously Neil coming in, um, it was a bit strange. The boys didn't, you know, 100% know what was going to happen at the end of the season. You know, we always knew that kind of Robbo would, you know, come back and once once he got himself sorted and stuff. But um, to be fair, Neil, he came in and, you know, he was he was honest with the boys and he says, listen, I'm only here to, you know, see you through to the end of the season. I want to do the best job I can. And um, the boys bought in to, to, to what he was trying to do. Um, I, I, I thought he was he was very good when he came in. Um, I got on with him really well. And, um, you know, it was... He, he was he was definitely he was definitely here to do a job. You know, he wasn't here just to just just to fill a gap. Um, and I, I think you've seen that with some of the performance that we had under him. Um, so, like I say, it was it wasn't ideal, but I, I think the boys bought into it um, quite well. I mean, what a start we've had, but is that testament to maybe working with with Billy a little bit last season, knowing what he expects? That makes it a little bit easier for the start of this season. I think so. I, you know, I think that has given us a little bit of advantage. Um, you know, in terms of when the club were going to appoint a manager this year, if it wasn't going to be Rubble, you know, it's I think it was it was a good move by then that it was someone that the boys knew. Um, you know, and like you say, the boys knew how he wanted to go about things. And um, like you, like you say about the preseason, last season wasn't ideal, obviously for reasons, you know, out, out of our control about starting back um, late preseason and stuff, but um, you know, we were back sharp this season. The boys put on a good shift pre-season, um, and it's you know it's, it's it's looking good for us just now. But you know, I keep saying it, it's it's a long way to go, and um, you know, hopefully those fitness levels and um, are, are still there come you know the the new year, and and, and we can push on even further. Then you can see this at a start of the back for between yourself, Kirk, um, Carson, and 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 um, and Dees. That you're working as more as a four. Was it was there a conversation there after the Cove game to say, look, league, league starting soon, we need to buck up ideas, or was it, did it just come organically after playing a few games together? No, I, I think the the Cove game was was the real eye opener. Um, you know, there, there was a few words said after the you know the Cove game, and rightly so. Um, 
I think that happens in, in every good dressing room. I think boys need to, you know, especially the senior lads as well, but it's good for the young boys to, to see that and, and hear the opinions of, of, the, of the senior boys and what's went wrong, what, what we can fix and what we need to do. Um, and I, I, think, I think that was a good... That was a good eye opener. I think the Cove game to say, listen, like you say, you know, listen, we we, we need to sort ourselves out. Um, you know, if you look at the Cove game, you think, you know, the defence or the midfield. I think it was the whole team. Um, you know, the whole eleven was just uh, we were just miles off it. And I don't, I don't know where that came from. I don't know whether that was a bit of complacency, thinking that you know it's Cove and it's the late cup and you know, but. You go to the Hearts game a week later, and it's it's totally different. The discipline's there, the work rates there, the togetherness is there on the pitch, and um, you know we've we've definitely brought that in from you know the Hearts game and carried it right through um, these these first uh, five or six league games. So um, I, I think that's our foundations. If if we can you know keep that solid shape, keep that you know togetherness as a team working for each other, I, I, I think we'll, we'll we'll do all right. I mean, credit to also Mark Rogers behind He's the best goalkeeper in the league, in my opinion. Um, and I'm going to say that. But how satisfying is that for you? I mean, obviously, strikers like to score goals. But for you as a defender, you see your team winning and you you and the other three boys at the back, four including Mark, get clean sheet. Is that as satisfying for you as a, as a last-minute header and a last-minute goal? Oh, 100%. Like, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's if it's a, you know, something that as you, as you get older and you get more experience as, as a defender, it's... Um, it becomes you know that little more. I don't know. It's 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 you're just after them every week. You know, it's like if I can go out here, keep a clean sheet. It, you know, it's half the job. Um, and you, you look to have got obviously a good partnership with Kirk, um, a guy that's he's done always playing the UEFA Cup final, played for the national team. Um, having somebody, I, I know you're you're not an old man yet. You're obviously you still get plenty of years to go, but it's some of the his experiences rubbed off on you, and some of the some of the advice that coming from him during the games. Definitely, um, you know, you've, you've touched on it there. You know, he's played at a very good level, um, and it's it's another you know an important piece of business. I think from from everyone at the club, you know, the, the manager and and uh, you know above them to bring Kirk here. Um, you know, like say he is he is getting on a wee bit. He won't let me say that, but uh, no, he's, he's been brilliant since he's come in, um, and I think it helps when you've you've got that experience. Um, you know, with obviously Davy Carson, who's not a natural right back, but you know he's that's where he's playing now, and he's he's been solid there. You know the back end of last season, the start of this season. I think it helps to have you know that experience next to him. Um, you know if if he did need you know talk through the game or you know anything like that. Same with DZ on the other side. It's not as it's not as natural position, but I think he he's took that like a duck like water, and um, I, I think he's been he's been really solid this season. And that's the thing. I think we've we've got options now over the pitch. You know, you've got Cammy Harper who. You know he's missing out just now, but you know he's a he's a real talent who can, you know, fed his way back in, and it's good to have this, um, you know, comparativeness for places because uh, I think it brings the best out, um, and and boys and, um, you know, like I said, I think it's a good mix this year between experience and experience and. Youth. I mean, and the goal is to get promoted. Obviously, I think it. But by any way, by hooker crook, we 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 want to go up this season is. Yeah. Is that a realistic target for you and the boys? Is that something that I know it's too early if you talk about that in the dressing room? But is that have you given yourself maybe a quarterly target in the in the in the league? Maybe where you should be in October, where you should be in November? Are we are we striving towards that? Yeah, no, to be honest with you, no, not really. Um, in terms of you know setting those targets, but um, you know, I think as a team, we know how good we are. We know how good we can be. Um, and 
you know, we know if we stick together, the, the quality we've got in the team that, you know, we, we, we can go close this year. Like I say, it's it's one of those ones. It's cliche, you know, we do take every, every game as it comes. I'm sure you're, you're probably sick of hearing that, but um, it is genuinely like that here. Um, you know, the next game is the most important game. Um, and we're, we're, that's definitely our aim. Our aim is, is, is to get out of this league as, as soon as possible. And, um, you know, I'm going to say it again. It, it is too early. It's you know we don't want to get carried away. Once it comes into you know the the new year, around about you know January December time, it's you know it's it's proper it's proper men's football. Like you know it's you need to be you need to be that little bit more streetways than than the, the team you're playing against. Because I think if you look in the past, the teams that have won this won this league the last three four years, they've been. A good experienced teams that know how to grind out one nils or two ones away to you know Queen of the South or you know away at Morton's you know they know how to grind out results and I think if, if we're going to do anything this year um, you know I, I think we need to have that about us um, you know coming into coming into those those types of games especially around the Christmas period where the, the fixtures are coming thick and fast and um, I, I think if we can you know if, if we can do that if we can grind out results even when we're not playing too good. I think, like I said, I think we'll be all right. Danny Devine there. Um, as always, fantastic for him to, to speak to you, Stevie, for him to take time to talk to the podcast. I would say he's probably in the form of his life at the moment. It's great to hear another player speaking so honestly. And I think one of the things that stood out for me there was everybody, he says, everywhere you go, the fans are demanding, and it's a good thing. I, I don't know if he, would, if he would have always thought that, would he? <laughs> Maybe not this one down Fairland, but no, it was good to chat to, and uh, yeah, you can see the confidence well the way he speaks. I mean, I think McCann coming in last season was a big turning point for Devine because for a lot of last season it was Brad and uh, Robbie in the centre of defence, but McCann liked him, and I think also Doris liked him. But yeah, he's playing great football. He's he's at an age now where he's he needs to be playing football. He's he's not one of the younger guys, as he said, and uh, yeah, I think I think he's playing football his life. I can't think of a better period. In his career, that he's he's played any better than he has just now, and I think that McCann and Dodds last season established that partnership between Mackay and Devine, and said, "Brad, you're the senior person here, and also you're the one who steps out with the ball." And Danny, you 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 know you focus and stay in the position, focus on blocks, focus on whatever central defenders focus on that uh, that that don't play much football. Sorry, that's that's terrible. No, that's um, fine. We we'll keep back. No, but I, I have a problem analysing central defenders. I just I don't often don't. Really I'm not sure. Central defenders. What position do you, do you not have a problem? What's your favourite position <laughs> at, at analysing? You're, really, like, you're really, really good at left backs. What? I like to talk about midfielders and the shapes of midfields and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. like how 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 that's back forwards function and especially central defenders function. I do feel I quite often miss a lot of the technical aspects of that. But um, <laughs> and, and and Kirk Broadfoot's come in is obviously even better than even more senior than Brad in terms of being that guy, the guy that steps out and Danny stays and you know he tells Danny where to be. I think to some extent. Did you keep uh, the the Shars bit in? He wasn't happy about not getting his showers. Ah, uh, showers, That's uh. <laughs> 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 pretty good. <laughs> um, it was interesting to hear uh, when he was playing for Partick that he really wanted to beat us because you don't really, you don't usually hear people say that, do you? No. I know he didn't ever allude to the fact that he wasn't very um, that he came in for a lot of criticism when he was here, but that's he probably why he wanted uh. to beat them. You know, I think. He, I mean, to be fair, he was. He was actually one of the younger players when he was there when he was with us, and he was, you know, 
playing alongside the best defenders we've ever had. Yeah. So he was being held to quite unrealistically high standards, I think. Yeah. You know, so some of the criticism was, in retrospect, pretty harsh. But I said before in a previous podcast, he's, he's 28. Mm-hmm. Central defenders, you know, some of them don't get to the top of their game until they're around about that age. And it looks like he's coming to the top of his game at the moment, you know? There's no, I, think, I think he's I happy as well. I think yeah. he won the Scottish Cup, but he was still pretty young, and I think he had aspirations of going higher. But I think, as well as Doran, they live in Aviemore, they're happy as well. And I think he's found a happy place. And again, you said perfect age to start playing every weekend. Is, yeah. is that is more a happy place? Yes, they've got go karting. Yeah, of course. No, they don't. I thought they shut that down. Yeah, well, okay. I remember Aviemore as a happy place with a, a swimming pool, an adventure playground, and go karting. And Santa Claus Land. Does he go to Santa Claus Land? Uh, Avi, Avi Moore is a happy place pod title <laughs> maybe maybe Cafe Mambo you can start singing Mambo again Moth. hey Mambo <laughs> <laughs> you got no soul you rubber bumpers spit die well well League look ahead, let's let's cast our minds ahead to the month of uh, October as the rusty hued leaves begin to fall from the trees where we hopefully stay resolutely on top Saturday the 2nd of October Hamilton away and um, let's let's go back to an old trope of this podcast uh, 2nd of October is International Day of Older Persons which they don't actually recognise in Lanarkshire due to the very low life expectancy Doogie Imry he's, 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 thir- he's 38 he's classed as an OAP and a uh, 28 year old Josh Mullen is actually middle aged um, is the main danger here their horrible astral pitch rather than any of their assorted horde of suicide squad style rejects I don't know. I mean, the pitch didn't bother us against Killy, did it? We played the ball in the deck beautifully, I thought. Um, so I don't, I don't see why that's going to be an issue. Um, Hamilton, God, I mean, they're they're worse than expected. We said in the preview, like season preview pod, that their squad was thin looking, but um, you know they've brought players in since then. It's not made any difference. I thought Vertonen would be a good players, done nothing. Apparently, Josh Mullen has been absolutely dreadful. Um, so you the see, you is, see, yeah, you say their squad is thin looking. I would say their squad looks positively gaunt. They all look mm-hmm. like a bunch of junkies. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks, it does look dreadful. I mean, and David Templeton apparently is injured now, and he's probably about their best player, you know. So it's it's almost looking, it's almost looking an ominously good for us, you know. We've got a guy called Marley Redfern, he's apparently quite good. Um, You're right, Stevie. Did you fall off your chair there? <laughs> I'm just still uh, astounded at your Lanarkshire comment, but we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> In Dufries, I was called an old granddad in my 50s, so maybe that's what Lanarkshire does to you. I think Hamilton, and before I start, we're only two wins away from our total wins total last year, and I think we'll do that in the next two games. But I think Hamilton, at the start of the season, had this. They've always had it, though. It's a young team, and they always look at youth and stuff, but I think now they're sweating. I mean, they're starting to bring in the likes of Popescu, who was at St. Mirren and Hearts, and he's a bomb scout at the back. And I just I think they've lost identity. I mean, I, I would stick with young boys and maybe use this as a a consolidation season, but I think they're, they're actually worried in the American State Division, whereas I thought maybe at the start of the season, yeah, mid-table mediocrity from them, but yeah, I'm worried for them, you know, I think, I think I'm think i going to say we're going to walk over them, but I see a nice taste away win next, next Saturday. I hope they go down, it's such a crap away day. Yeah, it's, actually there's worse, but yeah, it's not, it's not great. What's worse? I can't think of anything worse. Well, Falkirk's worse for me, I think it's a worse away day. Uh. Um, Plus, obviously, I'm close to Hamilton. It's easy to go home. But, yeah, it's not a great away day, but... Celtic. Celtic's a crap away day. I mean, you've got City Centre, obviously, after it, but... 
Ibrox, oh, Ibrox, actually, Ibrox, in fact, Ibrox, sorry, Ibrox is the worst one, isn't it? Okay. I just, well, if you're going to Glasgow, you're going to find good pubs to go to. Same goes for Falkirk, actually. You're going to find, well, you're not far away. You're going to have to go through the centre of Glasgow. Whereas uh, maybe it's because I go directly to Hamilton if I, if for a Hamilton away day and I don't I don't go through Glasgow. So I've just got the Hamilton pubs to choose from. Okay, right, let's move on. Saturday, 9th of October, Elgin away. Uh, Saturday, the 9th of October is actually World Migratory Bird Day. Um, I shit you not. So I would fly over Elgin tomorrow and etc. etc. Um this is this is a big day out for a few folk, I imagine. Maybe some of Burness base fans that don't make many two games down down the E9. There will be quite a big attendance there, won't there, Ross? Yes, and hopefully fights. Um last time we went well, to Elgin, I think there was a hopefully not. Hopefully oh, not fights. Really? Are you against fights? Do you want to have fights? I, you want you want a bit of, a bit of friction, you know. I mean, I don't want to see people getting hurt, but I, I like a wee scuffle now and then. Oh. What's like? It's like maybe like if it's a scuffle, like in the Bridget Jones's diary, when Hugh Grant's fighting in the street with um, the other floppy-haired guy. <laughs> Talking of migratory birds, I noticed that uh, our <laughs> our own Matthias Machado has kind of migrated back to Elgin after trying to make his fortune. Really, Portugal yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just a shame this game's on the, on the same day as the Scotland game because I think that'll uh, that'll obviously lose a few fans. But I'm sure the Hellenic beforehand will be will be jumping in that pre-match tension that Ross is maybe looking for. We'll be seeing in there because the last time we were there, I was had to hold off John Doe and Michael McRae before the goal <laughs> with a young team. Um, John Doe and Michael McRae aren't young, but they yeah. were the ones they were the ones fighting in the Eastgate Centre in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> They also just about got themselves in the shit in Hamilton when we were there a couple of weeks ago. For anyone listening that doesn't know, these are two uh, octogenarians. No, yeah. that is very harsh. Well, <laughs> they, they, obviously, more. Well, 60s, 60s. Yes, they're in their early 60s. Obviously, the reason they got into trouble in Hamilton, Moff, is because like, the people in Hamilton didn't actually realise what they were. People over 60. That's what you call a caution. That's a callback. That's professional. Well done. Right, okay. Saturday the 16th of October, we've got Morton at home. Uh, now, it's time for the turn of the men or the man from Port Glasgow, Mr. Dean McKinnon. He's a Morton Forum chief. He's the Just One Cornetto Morton podcast host, and he's actually a Morton women's uh, FC coach as well. So we sat down and had a wee quick chat about the season, and not once did I ask him, why are Morton so shit? So Dean, welcome to the welcome to the Wine and Shuffle. You uh, you do a lot for Morton. Um, as I've said in your intro, you're you're the host of the podcast. You do some coaching for them. Um, you give a lot to Morton. What do Morton give you back? Um, I suppose precious little is the answer, really. <laughs> um, yeah, well, obviously it's it's great to have such a such a strong affinity to the club that I support and the club that I've always always supported. So. Yeah, it's just I think, like most other people, football takes up probably quite an unhealthy amount of my time. So, yeah, just one of those things. It's a I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it's I love the podcast, I love the forum, and I love coaching. So, yeah, it's it all works out quite well. Yeah, and this season, looking at the table at the moment, we're recording this um, on the Friday. Who are you who are you playing at the weekend? Air United. Yeah, there could be a win, could be a loss, you never know. But at the moment, you're you're, you're played six, you're 1-1, one, one, drawn one, lost four, scored five, conceded ten. So you're sitting in eighth place in, in the league. 
Is that where you thought you might be at the start, or did you have higher hopes going into the season after the after the summer and, and Gus McPherson and getting a few new faces in? I think if you offered me eighth, if you offered me come May, you'd finish eighth. Honestly, I would take it. There's obviously a lot going on in the background with the club at the moment. There's the fan takeover that's they're kind of dotting I's and, and crossing T's as is, as is my understanding at the moment. So that's obviously a massive, massive change. You're then looking at trying to change the culture of the club and kind of moving away from the failures that have kind of dogmoted for the last 30 or 40 years, if we've been honest about it. So if you offered me eight now, yeah, yeah, I would take it. Just a consolidation season, get things right off the park and start to make progress in that regard. Obviously, this is now four on the bounce we've lost, which is a big concern. So we're playing you in October. What what can uh, what can we expect from from Morton under Gus McPherson? Now he's had a full a full preseason. What's what sort of formation is he playing? What sort of tactics is he is he putting out in the park? You know, what sort of is it more entertaining under him? Is, do you think he's been a good appointment? I think whether he's been a good appointment or not, I think we'll probably after the first quarters probably the the, the time to really take stock of that. I think there's as we said, four defeats in a row obviously puts the pressure on any manager and Gus is no different. I think when we come up, we'll probably set up quite similar to the Hamilton game where we'll just we'll, we'll sit in just your kind of typical away performance for going somewhere maybe like Inverness or one of the kind of harder grounds to go to in the division. We'll try and keep things compact, get used to the long ball up to, up to Ugru if he's playing and kind of take it from there. I don't think McPherson was the sort of coach that was going to come in and reinvent the wheel, but I think given the score of players that we've got at our disposal at the moment, yeah, um, if we can get a tune out of them, then we should be absolutely fine this year. But yeah, there's we've kind of tinkered a bit. We started off the season kind of variations of a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. We, last week against Wraith, we went back to the back five that McPherson had experimented with at the, the end of last season when he came in. There's maybe there's maybe some positives from that. Personally, I'd, I would rather go kind of 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, that, that type of system. I think suits the suits some of the players at were disposal. Yeah, it's you kind of know what you're going to get with McPherson. He is very territory-based. He is clear your lines first, look to play second. I've got absolutely no issue with that. The, the kind of main concern I have with us at the moment is the kind of lack of a plan B if the ball into Ugu isn't isn't working or because Ugu's missed the last kind of two games through injury. When Ugu isn't there or it isn't quite working, we need to have that plan B. We need to be able to vary, vary the service into the attackers. We've obviously got Gavin Riley, who is a completely different type of striker to Ugu. And if we can get the decent if we can get decent service into him that suits his game more than we've been doing at the moment, then yeah, I think the the guys in the forward areas should be able to to drag us to safety and get us a few goals. Um, who's your most important players? Big season for Lewis Strap, the our left back. He has been tipped to kind of go on to, to bigger and better things. Right. Not necessarily been the best start to the season for him on a personal note, but he's more than capable of producing producing excellent defensive and attacking options. And this sort of at this sort of level, you then look in midfield, Kyle Jacobs 
club captain, good midfielder, kind of holding midfielder, good range of passing. You then look at the forward areas, Gozi Uguza. I don't want to pigeonhole him and say that he's a target man. You know, there's there's a lot more to his game. There's a few more facets to his game than you would expect from the target man. You know, he can work the channels. He, he's got good link-up play, good hold-up play. If we can get decent service into him and Riley, I think there's a solid spine of a squad there. Who's who's the bomb scare? Who's the guy? You know, when, <laughs> when who's who's when 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 you know when you see the teams the team lineups come out on a Saturday and you know, on Twitter or you at the game you get a team sheet like you used to. Um, who's got the one everyone goes? Oh my god, not him. Who, who am I throwing under the bus? <laughs> Robbie Muirhead gets a bit of stick. He's he's had a few minutes so far this season, just obviously with the group missing out in the last few weeks. He's uh, absolutely nothing against the guy. I think his work rate's excellent. He, he does put himself about. I think he's the type of player that where it's not quite happening for him and his head goes down, he almost looks as if he can't be arsed. Right. And I think supporters kind of pick up on that. I don't think it's an issue with work rate. I just think he's one of those kind of awkward attackers where almost the kind of James McFadden where he's got certain attributes. He's got certain attributes that are excellent. He's got other ones that don't that aren't at the level required. So it's kind of hard to it's hard to pinpoint him into a position. We've tried to play him as a number nine. We've tried to play him on the kind of left side of the attacking three behind the main striker. We've played him as a left winger. I think he's played a left wing back at some point as well. Yeah, just a kind of awkward player and I guess it's nothing against the guy but I think if we were being ruthless about it in the summer I think he should have been. He should have been let go. Right. He's not good. He's not. He's not good enough. He's crap. There you go. That's it. It's not good enough. Aye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you yeah, he's not good enough. Simple as that, right? Uh, so, what, what, what's your what's your thoughts on on Cali Thistle? You know, we, we've been in. I think it's our fifth season in the championship now. We've had a, a, loads and loads of games against you guys, and um, we always like a wee trip down to. I down hate to you guys. You are. I. I, I hate it. Um, I've got a a close pal who's a Cali Thistle fan and is a smug prick (laughs) and shout out to Fraser if he's listening I see Inverness as being probably in the top two this year top two or top three I think I kind of said on our podcast after we played Kilmarnock two weeks ago I think they're going to win nothing their way to the title I think they're a very very structured just a very capable side without being I don't think they're going to blow teams away 3-4-5-0. But you've beat Kilmarnock, great result down at Rugby Park, beat Partick Thistle, beat Wraith Rovers, beat Ayr. These are all the teams that are going to be kind of uh, eyeing up that kind of third, fourth place. And if you can yeah. beat them, especially going down to Kilmarnock and beating them, that was a big, big statement. Uh, so based on, that, based on that predictions, who's going to win the league? Who's going to finish in the playoffs and who's going down? Um, Kilmarnock will win the title for me, I think you guys will. I would back you guys to finish second. I think if Partick can kind of rid themselves of the inconsistencies and maybe find the balance between the free flowing football that tore us apart about a month ago, and then you kind of look at some of the results since, if they can level off and find a consistent level of performance, yeah, I think they'll finish third or fourth. I think we'll be down there. I think. Air can't be ruled out, although I think they've done very well with what Hopkin, with David Hopkin doing what David Hopkin does. Tune of the South are always down there with us. 
it's it's quite hard to tell. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think I would be hard pushed to to go against Queen of, us and Queen of the South as your bottom two as much as I hate to see it. Uh, Dean McKinnon there, interesting to hear about the fan takeover, but even more interesting to hear that they, they would settle from, for eighth in the league. What do you take from that, boys? I think he spoke really well. And I mean, yeah, very honest. And I'm glad he slated Robbie Muirhead because I think he's so overrated. I think that boy's wasted his career. I thought he went to higher heights. But yeah, it's a so, so long for Morton because, I mean, there's a massive transition this season. I mean, I think what, about a quarter of the team went to air, didn't they, with Hopkins before Hopkins departed. But, yeah, it's a bit grim. I mean, the pitch is substandard. I mean, it shouldn't be allowed to play football on that pitch. But I think he spoke well. I think he's, his expectations are realistic. And I don't see them going down. But, yeah, I think we'll struggle down there, though. And uh, I don't hold out much hope for them this season. I don't know. On current form, actually, you could see them going down, which would be a real shame. I think we all really love Capolo, but... They're on the worst form in the in, they're in the worst form of any team in the league. They've got four points, but they got them all in the first two games. Oh no, actually they've got five now because they drew it today. So, yeah. so apologies, but um, yeah, it's like a one draw, four defeats in the last five. And the thing is that they made pretty interesting looking deadline day signings. They got Gavin Riley in, who you'd think would be a decent signing at this level. Uh, Oshin McIntyre, I know nothing about, and then a guy called Jakob Oxen from Brentford, Tom Allen from Newcastle. You know, you're thinking that these guys would presumably bring a bit of quality in and actually the, the form has dropped even further down the cliff that they were already on. So I don't know. You can imagine them losing faith in any faith they had in Gus McPherson pretty shortly. You know, unless when you look at the table of the teams that you may have predicted to go down at the start of the season, they are the lowest. Dunfermline, I'm happy to say, won't go down. If they continue in those positions, Peter Grant will get sacked and they'll sort something out. They've got far too good a squad to go down. Hamilton, you'd think there's enough quality about or even, you know, um, kind of relegation payment around for them to strengthen in, in the January window that they won't go down. So I would say, I, I would probably place Morton favourites to go down at the moment. I, I thought your man's uh, evisceration of... Uh, <laughs> very gentle evisceration of Gus's tactics was really good because you know he's he said he, he's basically said okay he plays percentage football and you know that maybe that's what we need just now but at the same time he's also told us that he switched formation about three times already this season and I see they were playing three at the back again today so I'm not sure if Gus does have a clear plan um, and how to keep them up and would would expect him not to last much beyond Christmas either okay um. Saturday 23rd of October, Wraith Away uh, is World Tripe Day, a well-known delicacy in Fife, which is precisely what they're serving up on the pitch this season as John McGlynn the Fifers revert to form. Uh, is, I, I'm just taking a piss here, to be honest. Is this, is this a game where a point would be a, a good result because they do have a good home record? Not against us, they don't. No, we, we've, we've got don't. an excellent record at Starks Park. I just think there's enough quality there. McGlynn's good enough that they'll they'll pick up and go in a wee run at some point. And I hope we don't get caught okay. in it. Uh, oh, and just a wee one on Wraith. I see James Keatons has got a loan to Montrose. Oh, I didn't hear that. Did you know? Fucking hell. That was, that, that was very interesting because Wraith, like the tweet that came from the club, very passive-aggressive tweet from Wraith saying that... Um, James's body uh, can't stand up to the rigours of full-time training, so we mm. think it's basically a Montrose or something like that. The and club he, tweeted that. The club tweeted that, and Keating okay. tweeted, 
great to be at Montrose, fit and raring to go, or something like that within 24 hours. So, um, yeah. I saw that fallout with McGlynn, I think, there. Yeah, something's iffy. But he, he played today, he got hooked after 65 today. He drew with, with Falkirk 2 2 today, but he started today. Tuesday, 26th of October, our broth at home. Back to our broth. Um, Tuesday, 26th of October is actually World Day of Audiovisual Heritage. So let's take a brief moment to praise the upgrade of ICTV and excellent commentary and summarisation from uh, Messrs. Ald uh, and his uh, couple of stand-ins that have helped out and some guy called Tokley. They've, how, how much better has it been? Well, yeah, you boys have been lucky to go to games. I'm still um, on house arrest, so I've seen every get-home game on, uh, on ICTV. And, uh, yeah, it's night and day today. As we spoke about before recording, it wasn't the greatest, and we can all agree that yeah, the quality wasn't the best. But if we're comparing it to last season, yeah, it's night and day, better, better camera position, good commentators, totally great as well. And uh, yeah, just maybe missing a little bit of halftime entertainment. I know they give us the goals and stuff, and a little bit of highlights package. But yeah, for fifteen quid, the product's a lot better than we were paying ten pound for picks a lot last season. Yeah, definitely. Um... Just to, there's one commentator whose name I can't remember, um, but the other two, Craig, uh, somebody McLennan today who's Al, 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 Alan Zajinski. Al, Alan Zajinski was the other. Oh, is it? No, I, I want to hear Stevie pronounce it. I lived in Poland, so it's Alan Zajinski. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know that. We, we, I was reading that off. I said to Zed there, so treating <laughs> you, we, we got, Stevie like he's never left East Kilbride. Uh, yeah, we, we actually yeah. got Moff and I actually got Alan back on the train from uh, Kilmarnock. So you got him back on the train. Well, he's, like he's in some, he was in some state. Yeah, yeah. He was in some state. Now, he's, <laughs> he's probably never going to commentate for us again because of the state we were in, uh, especially you. Right, so I, I do need to take this opportunity, you know, because I, obviously I, I, I slagged our chief executive pretty hard at the end of last season regarding the coverage, and they've turned it around. Um, I think it's, t- to me, it's, it's pretty much everything that I wanted. I couldn't really expect much more from the package. Half-time also, you know, half-time interview a couple of weeks ago with Lewis Nicholson, which was a really great kind of deep dive with, with Robbo doing the interview, Packages of goals, goals from the youth team, goals from the women's team, analysis from Roscoe, camera along the side where we want it with uh, replays and bits behind the goals, scoreboard, commentator who isn't a complete twat. It's everything. I wouldn't. I, there's nothing else I would want from it. Although you do occasionally get a, a, a very low reverberation of twatage coming from the main stand at times, which is, uh, and, and also if you're in the stand as I was the other week. You can hear him loud and clear. I think he's very good at that job. I think he was born, <laughs> he was born for that job and he's excellent at it. Yeah, as, as long as he takes some of our musical recommendations on board after listening to this Exactly. Board. Well, that's going to come up later. Okay. Uh, very briefly on our broth, uh, at time of recording, they're up to, oh, are they up to third now? Or are they fourth? Third. So they mean business. They've scored the most goals in the league. Could you see in the playoffs at the end of the season? And would they even be allowed in the Premier League? I don't know about them being allowed in the Premier League, but you could absolutely see them in the playoffs at the end of the season. I think it's looking like increasingly like we got them at a really good time. They were outstanding last night. They outplayed Kilmarnock. They outworked them by some distance, you know. Um, Really composed. They were closing everything down. Really confident in the way that they were showing for it. Um, I mean, we talked about Newplay in the first game of the season, but then you've got Nicky Lowe and Liam Henderson in the middle, who are absolutely outstanding. Michael McKenna, who's kind of like coming in off the wings going forward. 
I just, I just thought they were they were absolutely superb last night. Um, and I'm not looking forward to this game uh, at all. I think this could be a very very tricky game for us. The thing mm. is, if they if they end up in the playoffs, right? We do not want to be in the playoffs because that is a no. You know, yeah. if they well, we just play, had if Rangers. They in the playoffs, I would imagine that they will win the playoffs and they will play the second bottom team in the Premier League if they're allowed to. In Scottish football, we've just been through this period where Rangers have been to visit every shitty ground in Scottish football with the away support that they take, and they've managed to pull that off. There's, there's, there's no good safety argument for our both not being allowed in that league. You, just, tell, you tell Neil Doncaster that. I fucking will. Uh, and finally, we might have a podcast before here, but we'll just do it anyway. Um, Saturday, the 30th of October, Partick away. Uh, Saturday, the 30th of October is National Texture X Day. And I heard Danny Devine has been messaging Ian McCall saying, get it right up, yeah. Um, would we take a draw here? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think. 100%, we would take a draw here. Would we? Oh, I, why should we? Yourself, really vulnerable at the back, you know? And I think by that stage, unless we do it, then our forwards will have a far better understanding. Ross has already alluded to the fact that our forwards haven't quite clicked yet, that we should be expecting them to get better. I think Park are like really vulnerable at the back. We've already seen that. It's a place we only do well, but I think we're going to get a dip at some point. Hopefully it's a short, sharp dip. And... We, we, ha- we have to lo- we're going to lose a game. We have to lose a couple of games. Um, the yeah. fact is, because we've got so many points on the table already, that allows us to have a little dip. It yeah, does. but we're, we're losing to our growth the week before, so we're going to be... Fine. And if we're going to choose which games we're losing, it should be against our growth. I love them. <laughs> For McDonald, of the castle, Liberty's men, Weechies, Hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, PC's Pizzas, Judith City, Farland Park, the Library, Spectrum Center, Mulgy Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Music Center, Matalan. Football's changed. Gone are the days when the likes of Brian Clough took his players out to get pissed the night before a cup final. John Parkin scoffed fish cakes, a fry up, and a burger before every game. Or Wayne Rooney lived on Cocoa Pops. So much so that Inverness Caledonian Thistle this season have appointed the club's first ever head of physical performance in Ross Hughes. Stevie had a natter and he didn't mention Harry Gows once. Let's talk a bit about you. So obviously for fans that don't know you or know your background, just give us a wee bit of overview of where you've been. I know, I know you've been at certain clubs, one, one very close to as, as we'll find out, but a wee bit about your background and how you get involved in sports science and physical performance. Yeah. Sure, yeah, you know, I think I was probably like any kid back in the day, always dreamed of being a professional football player, but never quite sort of made the level, probably got to like the junior level. And then I was kind of, I kind of said to myself, well, if, if I want to be involved in professional sport, well, how, how do I go about it? Uh, and initially, I, I kind of wanted to be a physio. Uh, went back to college. I was, I was working at the time. I went back to college, uh, done a course that would, would get me into physio, Things never panned out the way I wanted it. Through it was nothing to do with myself or what I was doing, but I ended up going down the sports science route uh, at Glasgow University, University of Glasgow. So I done my, my my degree there, physiology and sports science. And just as I was graduating, um, you know, I was I was determined to try and get myself into sort of full time football, professional football in some capacity. I, I knew one of my old coaches was a coach at Hamilton Aki's at the time, and just just by sheer chance and it was sheer luck to be fair, Stevie that. They were looking for somebody to come in and help them. Uh, I went in on a voluntary basis at Hamilton Ackies, which led to a full-time appointment at, at Hamilton Ackies. And I was there for six years. Uh, worked with a, real, a lot of really, really good players at Hamilton Ackies with a really good team. So we had the team with Alec Neal, who obviously the manager at Norwich, Preston, uh, went on to do sort of decent things 
as a manager, uh, James McCarthy, who's just transferred to Celtic, James McCarthy, who's still playing at Crystal Palace. And at that time, Brian Easton was 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 one of the good young players who went down to Burnley and played in the Premiership down in England. So, you know, that was my kind of grounding in the game and it was a kind of accelerated pathway, to be fair. It was, you know, I wasn't running about the academy for long. I was kind of thrown up into the, the first team uh, set up pretty, pretty quickly there. So really sort of learned a lot of things on the job, uh, basically thrown into the deep end. I get the opportunity to go to Kilmarnock. I was there for two years, enjoyed my two years there. But again, sometimes relegation happens, you change your manager, you, you find yourself looking for a, a new job. But then Billy got the, the ICT job, uh, gave me a phone, uh, really, you know, really wanted, wanted me to be here. Uh, I think he spoke to Scott and says that he wanted me to come in. Uh, and I think when somebody, you know, makes uh, makes their, their sort of opinion known that they really want you there, there's nothing better in football than feeling somebody wants you there. Mm. Uh, so that was a big thing. I came up and I met Scott. Uh, he shared his vision, of his vision and the board's vision for where the club's going to go and how far they're thinking they were. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a really exciting project and something that I would really like to be part of. So yeah, we you know gave me some agreement, and you know I'm here and I've been here since the middle of June, and you know loving it. To be fair, it's been fantastic. What we've tried to do since we come in is create a real sort of performance culture at the football club, mm-hmm. uh, and that performance culture encompasses everything. So it'll encompass that physical development side of things, so gym based training, uh, field based training, uh, you know prehab, rehab type stuff. But also encouraging sort of nutritional um, performance, nutrition to the players. So try to put them in the right direction of after training, we should be uh, taking this or we should be taking that or pre-match, pre-training, have a think about that because that, this is why it will help you. And I'm fortunate enough since I came in, we've managed to get a, a sports nutrition company on board that, that, that are, they're going to that to help us out. Um, so yeah, 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 it can make a difference whether it. It does make a difference. I mean, you need to ask players that. That's, I've never, ever been recruited as a player, so I couldn't tell you if it would make a difference. But I think my experience is that if, if it's a nice facility and, you know, you tend to find more people, more players will want to gravitate towards it. As a coach coming in, and obviously you've got to implement your style and your demands and the guys from a physical standpoint. Is that difficult? And how do you get around that? Is it is it a... It's an organic process, but it takes a wee bit of time, or do you need to get uh, because it's such a short period of time, you need to sort of get that ball rolling quickly. I mean, it can do, it can do. I mean, I think we're really fortunate here that we've got a fantastic group that that just want to be the best they can be. They want to learn. They they, they want to take themselves to the next level of the game. So these guys really here, they've been like sponges. You know, they've 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 just soaked up everything that we've put at them whether it be that sort of nutritional support that I was talking about or uh, this is this is the reason why we're doing this type of work today uh, through to video sessions and saying, listen, we're, we're trying to help you. We'll show you things that will make you better. So I think as long as you get buy-in from the players, and that, that comes from the players and I suppose how you put it across to them, if, you, if you're very dictator-like, then... It's, it's in human nature to rebel against that, I suppose. So, you know, I, I kind of pride myself in kind of uh, the way I put things across to the players, you know, probably on a level that, that, that they, they can relate to and in a way that they understand and so they can use the information I give them 
to, to get the best out of ourselves. So I'm thinking obviously looking at the team and stuff and last season and it was it was, it was quite noted with a lot with a young team last season, um as you as you'll know, and we've made a couple of good signings I see in terms of getting Midge in and Kirk, two boys you've worked with in the past. Yeah. From a from a physical standpoint, I mean Midge looks as fit he ever does. I mean it doesn't never looks unfit and, and Kirk's looks fit as hell as he's come in. Do you use those two, and not just because you work them, but you look at two, the older group, do you use those guys as maybe pillars to say, look, this is, this is how you look after yourself? Would you get later years to tell the young boys at, at an early stage, look, take care of yourself now, because if you don't, you know, you could go by the wayside? Or... Well, I think that was, as, as much as they two were, were brought in because they're really good players, you know, we, I think the manager and the coaching team, and obviously I knew the, knew the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, we knew what they would bring into the football club off the pitch as well. Kirk's just an absolute animal off the pitch. The guy is a top, top professional, one of the best professionals I've ever worked with. Uh, constantly in the gym, and sometimes you're like, well, you're maybe doing too much, but that's just the way that guy is, you know. And we knew, and the same with Michael, Michael, constant professional. So uh, we knew that if we brought them in, then, you know, they would almost, everything they'd done would, would rub off on the rest of the players, especially the younger players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's what we've seen at the football club. Uh, the, the good habits that they've got, the work ethic that they've got. We knew that we were going to get good players on the pitch, but we were going to get, you know, consummate professionals off the pitch as well. And uh, we were hopeful that, that the good habits would rub off on, you know, some of the other players as well. And, and it has, and don't get me wrong, they're not the only two that are good professionals by, by all accounts, that's not what I'm saying, but Aye. when we're talking about recruitment, when we recruited the two, we knew that we were going to get both on and off the pitch with them. And have you found working with another two ICT legends in the coaching staff and Ryan and Barry then? I mean, I don't know if you've been in the night with Ryan yet, if you've not been in the night with you, then... Um, S is a character, there's no doubt about that, he's definitely a character. No, listen, I have, I've got nothing but good things to say about the people at the football club, honestly, from... The, the chairman down to Scott, down to Jack the Kitman, down to Dougal the Fizzle, Becky, Natalie and Seuss, mm-hmm. Fiona, uh, and the office staff, who obviously, who I, I, I've not mentioned, but everybody at, at the football club have just have been fantastic with me and everything I've done and everything I've asked for, they've been more than accommodating. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's been a, a fantastic experience so far and I'm, I'm hoping hope that it continues even longer. And uh, last couple of things, so. On the pitch, then, it's a good start. I mean, people's calling it boring, boring Arsenal, but I'll take 1-0 wins every week just now. But how um, how delighted are you and the coaching staff with the start the boys have made? I think I've seen and heard Billy talking about he's maybe disappointed that we've not created more goals. But to be honest, we've created chances and I'll take 1-0 wins every week, as I said. No, oh, you, you listen, what I said to you, Stevie, we, we never get too high when we win and we never get too low when we get beat. Yeah, it, it's, been, it's been a good start. We can we can do some things better, you know, and we've went through a lot of the, the things on the video to try and make things better. Uh, but you know, we know also that we're doing some things really, really well. You know, we've got competition for places all over the pitch, which again gives the manager a headache, but a good headache. So you know, we're we're, we're I'd probably say we're, we're content with where we are, but again, we're always looking to to, to be better and, and and push push things forward. Ross Hughes there, he, he previously held similar roles, as he said, at Ross County, Dundee, Killy, uh, Hamilton, Dunfermline, Queen of the South. Um, I'll play devil's advocate. 
Harry Redknapp famously said, if you can't pass the ball properly, a bowl of pasta is not going to make that much difference. Is this a role we needed to fill? I don't mean like a Harry Gow's role. <laughs> Modern days, I mean, yeah, I think you know, if you look at certain players of the team, they look a lot more fitter than they have in previous years. I mean, you see Ross at games, he's got the laptop out. Hopefully it's analysis, not on Facebook. But yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, he himself, he doesn't have any coaching badges. He's not a coach, he helps out, but he's... His, his, his job is for physical performance, and yeah, if you look at some of the players, I mean, not point out certain names, but Aaron Doran looks as fit as he's ever had in the last couple of, couple of weeks that I've saw him. Shane Sutherland. Jane. Roddy McGregor looks like he bulked up as well. I mean, that's maybe just natural progression, but yeah, I think he's he's, he's a good chink in armour to have, and obviously he's the main reason why we've obviously done that deal with Ceramax, and you've got Fraser Gorman, who's now come in, who's now doing video analysis as well, so I mean... Credit to the board, they're putting their resources into the not just the coaching team, but obviously the, the analytical team as well, and it's all part of modern day football. So yeah, well done to them. Ross, I know you've been a big proponent of trying to get sort of sports science at the club. What was what was your take on it? Is that a full time job though? Yeah. I mean I just thought they could get I just I was just saying that they should have GPS, they should be measuring these things, but I kind of always assumed it was an automated thing, really. That's clearly a full time job. He's obviously got pro individual performance programmes for every player. We're the reason why we've got a gym as well. And I remember we didn't have a gym. We were, I mean, we were, we were wasting money going to the DW and um, all these other gyms back in the day. But now the the bomb shelter, which is outside the um, main stand, is now. Well, the, are we the, still pretending that that's a gym and not just a skunk farm? Like, yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's multi-purpose and it's for use in the local community. But. <laughs> oh, is that is that another pod title? Um, Scott Gardner's skunk farm. <laughs> Now then, now then, welcome to Top Other Pops <laughs> with the wine of shuffle. The recent results have been music to every Cali Thistle fan's ears, but what is going on with the actual music at the stadium? That's what the whole, the, whole, the whole point of this feature is about. The team seems to have been coming out to a bagpipe dirge of when the Saints come marching in for about a season and a bit now. Clearly, whoever chose us has either taken the piss or has lost their mind. If we played St Johnston or St Minnan in the Cup, would they still play that? I don't know. I don't know what we used to come out to. I don't think we used to come out to anything, but examples of music that other clubs come out to are famous ones, Everton and Watford, both come out to the theme from Z Cars. Tottenham, bizarrely, come out to the Duel of the Fates from Star Wars. Newcastle, I think might come out to Going Home by Mark Knopfler, which you'll, which you'll recognise from... Local Hero. Local Hero. And a load of clubs, uh, including Chelsea, Use the absolutely brilliant The Liquidator from 
So, what song should our players come out to? Um, the boys have been scouring Spotify, looking through their uh, cassette collection, and uh, they've got a few few choice picks from what they think that our football club should come out to on the football pitch. What have you got? Uh, you missed, you realised, the best Scottish one by a mile, which is Dunfermline coming, to, coming out to Into the Valley by the Skids. Ah, oh, there we absolutely go. absolutely tremendous. Um, and that's part of the problem. We don't have anything like that. We don't have a kind of a local band that have done a really, really kind of high energy thing. We're, we're kind of much more sort of uh, kind of traditional music sort of thing. So, yeah, we're really, really struggling there. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of, I was trying to think, I was thinking, right, who do we have? I mean, has anyone outside Inverness heard of Lionel? Um, we've got like uh, Lionel with an A. Well, see, there you go. I mean, you haven't, I mean they're, they're like about the only kind of like band I can think of that have like done anything. Are you talking about, hello, is it me <laughs> you're looking for? No, he's he's coming later, that Lionel. Um, you've got our friend like, like Jamie, Jamie Scott, we could get him to do something. Yeah. Do you know Jamie? Uh, yeah, yeah. Conquering Animal Sound, yeah. Uh, I think, Moff, I think you've misunderstood the, the, the music that we are currently running out to. I mean, the point is a bridge in a castle, right? The point is not Owen the Saints, it's uh, Owen Verness is Wonderful, which is the kind of unifying, family-friendly song. But it doesn't translate because it's When the Saints Go Marching In. When it's instrumental, it doesn't it's, quite work. Maybe the, yeah, the, the, the best thing would be if people would sing it. I, I think we should go with the I Can't Help Falling In Love With You um, and the UB40 version um, and try, you know, as a kind of club anthem. I know Dundee United use it. But it's it's really carried well, on for quite say, a long time. Let's remind our, let's remind ourselves of that UB40 version. Well, I, I, for one, prefer red, red wine, but... Okay, but our fans don't sing that on the terraces. Yeah. Uh, another one that we used to... We tried to, to when I was in the late 90s, uh, with a group of friends, we, we started singing Letter from America at Cali Games, and it never it never quite took off. There was always like three or four of us. But in terms of the Highland clearances and stuff, I think that would be... What would about... Be w- w- this isn't a funny suggestion. What about Caledonia by Dooley, Dougie McLean? No. You need to <laughs> it's too, too, too much of a dirge, isn't it? We, we used to, in, you know, I remember, we used to sing Erasure a lot of respect, which got a bit of traction for a couple of years. And it's a great, it's a great tune, you know, and everyone can get along. But I think... Well, let's let's remind ourselves of that tune. The hat and one. Actually, I think a little respect would be better played at the end. To be honest, ah, you could. I mean, you could. You could do the. I mean, it's a bit more modern, but I think if you're going to get fans engaged, I mean, you look at Avicii's always a classic. You know, levels. It's a classic one that you can play when we score a goal or when we come out. Uh, Denzel, which is uh, relevant to this pod, pump it up. The original, not the one you guys were well, talking we, about. We played that. We played that at the top of the pod, and uh, I think the young team would be all in favour of that. What about? Let's bring it on. Let's bring it on back to bring it on home by David Balfour. Yeah, so I wondered when you were going to mention that. You said I don't know what we used to run out to, and it was always that. We did used to run out to that. Yeah, it's pretty enough, but at least it's our own. You know, well, it's like you know, 
I didn't mind that. Actually, but see if you want to go absolutely full high camp, then what you should do is just have the opening of Highlander and not just the oh. song. Actually, not just the song, but actually the Sean Connery voiceover. From the dawn of time we came, moving silently down through the centuries, living many secret lives, struggling to reach the time of the gathering, when the few who remain will battle to the last. No one has ever known we were among you. Until now. Here we are, born to be kings, we're the princes of the universe. I don't know, sort of brilliant in its glorious we should bring this proposal to Scott Gardner tomorrow. I think that, 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 that's it nailed, basically. I think Scott Gardner will be listening to this. I've, I've got another suggestion. It's, uh, I'm not a big fan of this band, uh, but they are very popular. Um, Biffy Clyro? Brilliant band. But they're from Ayrshire. Uh, I know, but they've got a song called Mountains. I thought it was quite... Uh, you know, what about the Zombie Nation here? Just get some dance on in the, the stadium and get the fans involved. Zombie Nation's a cracking show. Well, if you're going for mountains and River Deep Mountain High by Icantina, I know, but it's not, but, it's not but, but the point is, it isn't rousing, is it? Ah, you need to get yes, that a heavy rock tune, you know. Enter Sandman, Metallica, you know, get that one, you know. Get ah, I, you know something, I think, actually. Grab a build that tune, slow burner. And I, think, I think something lighter, something like, you know, we were talking about the Liquidator, which is really cool, really laid back. Yeah, that's so just cool, yeah. They, the Harder They Come by Jimmy Cliff, which is a beautiful song. And it's also like, the more we keep beating teams and, uh, you know, in yeah. our run, you know. It's for people that don't know that, let's have a little listen. So as sure as the sun will shine, I'm gonna get on sure what's mine. And then the harder they come, the harder they fall, one and all. Okay. Well, just that chorus, the harder they come, the harder they fall, one and all. So that idea, imagine we're like on six, seven, eight home, you know, home home wins because at the moment we're on what four this season and counting, you know, just something like that. That idea becomes a sort of momentum builder, and it's just it's a beautiful, beautiful kind of reggae track. Do you know what? Do you want, do you want to create fan atmosphere and they're all great songs? But you want something that most fans know and they can get into right away that, that resonates from the, the the first whistle goes off. True, but then fans get to know good songs if you know what I mean. What right. about Inverness is the fucking business. Well, that's ours, man. Club are not getting that back from us. <laughs> we, got, we got permission ownership rights and everything. No, we did, We did for anyone listening or that's new to the pod, we did, uh, when we started the pod, we contacted the uh, composer of that um, song and he gave us uh, permission to use it, in case you were wondering. To be fair, well, he, he, the Steve Kelly, we should just give him a... Give him the, a the, the Steve Kelly. Okay, well, there's a few suggestions there. Um, any more for any more? No? Right, well, let, let's move on to um, what about tunes for goals being scored? Celtic used to play the Magnificent Seven for Henrik Larsson and I believe Craig G. Telfer, uh, who is Stenhouse Muir's announcer, plays Stone Cold Steve Austin's walk-on track for whenever Stenhouse Muir score, so I'm told. Oh, yeah. so, which is, I know, it, it is great. and It's only because he loves wrestling. It's no other reason. Um, what about... You know, let's kick this off on a on on a high. A guy, a topic topical, a guy who just fucking oozes, you know, power. Kirk Broadfoot, shake a leg, ACDC. Don't 
that's better than mine. I'd have Star Trek in by the firm for him. That was mine. I put it in the group <laughs> chat weeks ago, you bastard. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even see that. Okay, let's go back to front. Someone at another defender, Robbie Dees. Uh, right, my criteria are, can you fit the scorer's name into the song, first, and second, will it really annoy the opposing fans? So Robbie Dees is uh, Easy by the Commodores or Faith in the War, depending on which version you prefer. Uh, so how does it go? Deezy. Yeah, Deezy like Sunday morning. Yeah, it's just like it is. It's so it's so smug that song. Danny Devine. Well, anything by the Divine Comedy, <laughs> um, which we almost had a piece of Divine Comedy today at one one. We forgot to mention that at Queen of the South, where he's he's belted it off Broadfoot, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. almost. <laughs> I was going to just say Marvin Gaye. I heard it through the grapevine. Let's move on to the midfield. Roddy McGregor would clearly be anything by Blazing Fiddles. Um, Gardine. Gardines would be a message to Ross County. Elvis Costello's I Hope You're Happy Now. It's a Scott Allardyce. Uh, would be anything including the word paradise. So Paradise City, obviously, by Guns N' Roses. Uh, Manny Duke, this is oh. a bit naff, but Mandy by Barry Manilow. Oh, I had, son, I had because he's quite a religious chap, son of a preacher, Manny Duku. Is he a religious chap? That yeah. didn't come through in the interview. No, oh, no, he's, he goes to church. Yeah. Billy Mackay, back for good. Take that. Oh, that's, that's a great show. So we should yeah. start singing that. That's a good one for Billy Mackay. I've also got for Billy Mackay, sheep, because Billy Mackay, what's he all about? Going goals. Sharpness. Billy Mackay, Sheen Ward, that's my goal. Bobby Mann. Any more for any more? Yeah, actually one that I can't believe we've not done before because um, it's a great song and it would fit. Um, the Do Wrong Wrong by the Crystals for Aaron Doran. You could make his <laughs> name fit that. That's, and, now, that, that's a great like What what was Aaron Doran called by Butcher? Well, we could just play a Duran Duran song. What, no, no, what, what, what was he called? The Ant. Ah, bollocks, because I thought he was called The Flea. No, apparently the angst he carries the team in his back. But I thought he's called the flea, so I wrote, uh, can't stop uh, for the red hot chili peppers, but it doesn't really work if he's called the ant. <laughs> I had an Aaron Dora one for the young team that we don't know this, so by Justin Bieber, um, I'm stuck with you for Aaron Dora. Well, because the young team are all big Bieber fans, is that what you're saying? <laughs> are they all believers? <laughs> no, they're all believers, yeah, they're all all that, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
All right, well, those are the suggestions. Scott Gardner, I hope you're listening. Mailbag. You know when a dishevelled maniac you've never seen before comes to your door with a package and you don't know whether he's a homeless man with a box of his own turds or a Hermes delivery driver? Well, it's Mailbag with Ross McKenzie. Hello. Um, yeah, I understand that uh, Sav's swollen sack has been uh, getting a little emptier recently, so I've come along to fill his boots. And uh, first up, a question from Kenny Cameron who asks, why did we ever get rid of the red and blue striped goal net in the top six next year? Replied, this is a great question. Because Nothing you in the laws of it. Yeah, because you probably sold them to give Billy Mackay a bonus. Um, Actually, what I'd heard was that our former social media manager stole it and made a Spider-Man costume out of it. Anyone else with a, anyone with a serious... T- Stevie, you tend to know about this uh, kind of tedious crap. Any... any uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know every bit. I'm just picturing someone with a Spider-Man costume on. But uh, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, I used to like them actually, and uh, until that question was brought up today, I actually thought we still had them. So I'm not paying much attention to the goal nets. So next up, uh, William Wallace, possibly not his real name because he's got like a Yes 45 badge next to it. Uh, uh, says uh, Shane Sutherland, McGregor, and Ridgers have been our best players this season for me. All grown ho- homegrown Inverness lads, which is not true. Shane's a wicker, uh, which is great. But then he, he makes quite a quite a, a grand assertion here. Uh, for fifteen minutes versus Park, best I've ever seen I say ICT play. Would you agree? No, no, no. <laughs> also, the- to, be fair, to be fair, I can't, I can't argue too much with the three nominated players. Um, although no, you, you can, they haven't been. They haven't been our best. They haven't been our best players. Mark Richards, Mark Richards has been up there definitely. The, no, the two centre halves have been our best players. The defensive yeah. record speaks for so. The, you listen to the Danny Devine interview, and he talks about, you know, he gives all credit to the the entire team for defending, but defenders always do that. But it's actually them that's making the last stitch defender, the the last stitch blocks. It's them that's tracking the runs. It's it's the two centre halves, and you can't argue that. Nobody can argue that. Two goals conceded in seven games. Right. So uh, Daniel Hutchison asks a very interesting question: uh, Who would you say is the best player from outside the UK and Ireland to play for the club, and why is it Lionel Jebizadi? Very good question. Ooh. I've got one. Uh, it wasn't in a long time actually, but I rated him. David Souza for me, Canadian, was. Phenomenal during that short period before he jumped to Levy. It's a very good pronunciation yeah. there, uh, Stevie. Did you live in Quebec for a time? Yeah, just next to Chizinskyville. If you um, if you're talking about, I mean, Stevie said this before. Maybe I had a similar question, or maybe we just talked about it before. If you're talking about technique, then it was um, it was a Romanian striker, Nikolai. Yeah, if you're talking about technique, he played in played in the World Cup. He was his technique was absolutely phenomenal. He was you know above our level. But he didn't try hard enough, or it didn't work out for a number of different reasons. But yeah, for me, it would be him. Yeah, I mean, I'd Nikolai, I'd Nikolai is the most talented, probably just ahead of Blanjo. Um, in terms of contribution to the team, then technically it's Richard Hastings. 
by a long, long way. And Richard Hastings is, of course, yeah. from Cradle Hall, as we all know. I know. Well, that's, um, that's the point. He's technically, isn't Quebec, yeah. Next up, we've got a Richard Smith uh, who asks, could we do a show for football fans new to the area who want a short, potted history of the club? How did it get here? Where is it going? Highs and lows. I have a quick answer before, Richard, before I put it to the rest of you, which is you've got two choices, Richard. You could read a Charles Bannerman book or maybe make friends with Charles Bannerman. That's not the option I'd recommend. The other is you could spend <laughs> the next 20 years in Inverness pubs talking to people about the history of the club. I would also, I would also read Milestones and Memories by Ian Broadfoot. Yeah, good show. That's, that's, the, that, that's the best thing you could do. Sorry, the late Ian Broadfoot and created an absolutely brilliant um, compendium of Inverness Caledonian Thistle information that I've been making my way through this year. And that is your mailbag. And a lovely mailbag it was too. Um, we're just about to head off, but I think before we go, we have to announce the winner of the um, signed Scott Allardyce shirt from the last pod. Oh, no, no, it's not, it's not signed. So don't say signed. Well, it's not signed. Well, I hope we didn't tell him. Unsigned Scarlet Top. It's a match worn Scarlet Top. You know, I can't. can't match worn. Just say, just say Scarlet Top. We'll get him to sign it when you Scarlet Top. So, without further ado, QDX Factor Music. In fact, no, let's do Jewel of the Fates like Tottenham. So let's find out who the winner is. Uh, Scott uh, Sub has a um, FedExed his tombola to Scott Ordice, and he has pulled out the winner with his uh, beautifully manicured nails himself. Scott, over to you. Congrats to Ross Patterson on winning my shirt by listening to the Winer Shuffle podcast. Okay, that's all from us for now, everyone. We'll be back in a few weeks' time with another pod. Thanks to everyone for listening, as usual. Until then, uh, we are all off to what I normally say we're all off to do something, and I haven't prepared anything so what are we all off to do form a barbershop quartet we're all off to form a barbershop quartet and then go and get high in scott garner's skunk farm uh, until then it's goodbye from them bye bye goodbye from me take care of each other and bye for the one by the way top of the league pump it up Yeah.